when, when you get the opportunity and the time, I want to encourage every single one of you to read Exodus chapter 15, verses 1 through 22. When you get your time, I want to encourage you to read all of that text. Read all of Exodus chapter 15, because that's really where the crux or the main section of our message is actually going to be taken from on today. I, I don't have time. I wanted to read all of it, but I, I want to try and be kind of expeditious and diligent with time on this morning. But I want you to, to read Exodus chapter 15. And as you read Exodus chapter 15, I want you to remember the words of, it, of this encouragement. Keep singing your song. Last week we looked and we delved a little bit in the book of Exodus, of course, chapter number 12. And in that text, we, we saw that God gave Moses and the Israelites some instructions in preparation uh, of their deliverance from Egyptian slavery. As you make your way into chapter number 13, you recognize that, 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 that chapter 13 sees them leave Egypt by what is described, you will see this phrase, doesn't matter what version you have, there is a version of this that says, by a high and mighty hand. So in chapter 12, God spoke some instructions, a prophetic word in preparation for, for them leaving, but in chapter number 12, we, we see them actually leave. And so God gave them some instructions. We recognize that they would have left by... Uh, the scripture calls it a high and mighty hand. That term is really meant to be a description, number one, of how helpless in nature the Egyptians were in stopping what God was doing. So in other words, even though they were a world power at the time when the, 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 when the Israelites left by a high and mighty hand, it described just how helpless this world power was to stop what God was doing. Somebody uh, needs to identify with that because when God works by a high and mighty hand, it does not matter what the devil tries to do to you. The devil is powerless over what God wants to do for you, through you, to you, and in you. So the scripture says, chapter number 13, helps us to see not only that were the Egyptians helpless in stopping what God was doing, but also this term by a high and mighty hand is also a direct reflection of God's, God's power by which he was about to free them. But then we make our way into chapter number 14, if you follow the progression, and we're, we're going to get to chapter 15 here really quick, but as you make your way through the progression of chapter 12, chapter 13, nowhere in chapter 14, we, we recognize that they would have left Egypt, and God is leading them. The scripture says, uh, a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night and and God leads them to a specific place it's the place of the Red Sea there's water in front of them and they begin to hear the sound of chariots behind them and you know all too well what would have taken place in a moment in a twinkle of an eye they they went from having great faith they went from having great jubilation to now becoming great complainers and being saturated in great fear but God still the people through his servant Moses and the rest, as we say, would be history. Because what would transpire in chapter number 14, if they didn't recognize it when they were in Egypt, hopefully this would be a scene that would help to solidify in their minds the God 
that they served. Because in Exodus chapter number 14, God would not only lead them out of Egyptian bondage, but he would lead them through the Red Sea. God was going to do something miraculous as if he needed to do anything else miraculous, but God was going to do something miraculous here in helping them to see clearly the power that he has. God is going to step in one more time and have their backs at a time when they were ready to turn their back on him. I, I don't know if you, you, you caught that, but we serve a God who steps in and he has our back even at times when we have turned our backs on him. Sure. I know we're getting close to the holiday season. I know we're getting close to Christmas, but, but here's the real essence and truth of Christmas. I love Christmas. I, I love receiving gifts. I, I love to see my kids. More than anything else as a parent, I love Christmas more so for my kids than anybody else. Uh, just, just yesterday, Sherianna Sherri and I were talking about the fact that, you know, really, uh, we, we really don't get each other gifts, and that's true, and we need to change that. We need to get each other some more gifts. Uh, I'm willing to change that, but the truth is, our joy as parents around Christmas time isn't for me to get her perfume or for her to get me a shirt or, or whatever the case. Our joy as parents is to, to see those kids' faces light up as they rip those and shred those wrappers apart. It's to see their faces when they get those dolls and those robots, when they, have, when they get those cars. And you parents, you know what I'm talking about. You spend money on this thing. You take your time wrapping the paper up. And, and, and in tutus, if you have a, a little Isaiah, in tutus, that robot car turns out to just be spare parts. <laughs> but, that, but that's okay. That's okay. But the point I'm trying to make is this, in, in as much as a, a lot of us are focused on, on this time and this season, the true essence, I need for us to appreciate this, is that when God sent Jesus into the world, he sent Jesus into the world at a time when the world uh, had willingly turned its back on God. But yet still, the scripture tells us in chapter number 14, God steps in and he has the back of the Israelites at a time when the Israelites were ready to go back and turn their backs on God. So God leads them. After blasting the, the waters through the exhaling of his nostrils, God prepares a path on dry land for them to walk through and to the last man. And when they made it on the other side, he collapsed the walls of the, can the canal. This was the first canal, by the way, not the Panama Canal. This was, this was the Red Sea Canal. God collapsed the walls of, of the canal on the Egyptians, and, and they would see them no more. They would oppress them no more. They would no longer have to fear them. God was truly delivering his people. Now, I need for you to see this because I want to be, like I said, I want to try and be expeditious with this. I'm already in chapter 15, and so they make their way on the other side of the Red Sea to the last man I might be exaggerating here to the last dog to the last cat to the last person that was uh, within their company as that person stepped out God deemed them now safe and as the, 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 the Egyptians are, are on their heels God said no you're not going to touch them and he allows the water to, to engulf he allows the water to become a tomb and a grave site for them. And so they step out on the other side. 
Let me show you how powerful this image is if you've, if you've missed it. On the other side of the Red Sea was slavery. But where they've now tread feet represents freedom. On the other side or the previous side of the Red Sea, God had made certain promises. On this side of the Red Sea, I, don't, I need for you to appreciate this. This is an indication of God fulfilling his promise. What do you mean, Brother Morgan? They haven't made it to, the, to, the, to, the, to, the, to Canaan's land yet. But remember, on the previous side, Joseph had told them, when you guys leave this place, don't leave my bones in this land. At the end of chapter number 13, when they are leaving Egypt, Moses gave them instruction, take Joseph's bones because we made an oath that we weren't going to leave his bones in this place. This place represents slavery. This place represents oppression. This place represents frustration. This place represents anxiety. This place represents death. But we won't leave the man of God's bones in a place that represents such a thing. And so when they got to the other side, not only did they have men with them, not only did they have children with them, but they also had Joseph's, Joseph's bones. And so they made it to the other side, church. And you know what they began to do? They began to sing a song. The scripture says that Moses starts to, to raise a hymn and and as Moses starts to raise a hymn, the rest of the people start singing along with him. Don't, 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 don't ask me how it is they start to sing because I believe that this was a working of the Holy Spirit. That sometimes you, you ever been in a situation where somebody just starts singing a song? You, you, you never heard this song before, but the song just resonates. It's almost like if it was your heart song. And, and you start singing the words, and all of a sudden, in, in two, three, four, five minutes time, all of us are singing the exact same words. We, we have a melody. And we're beginning to just praise, praise God. Back, back, back home, it doesn't take anything much for, for praise to begin. Sherianne is right there. She will tell you sometimes we, 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 we just got done with worship and, and we're, we're standing out in, in the lobby. People are leaving and we're, we're taking up the books from off of the pews and, and all that kind of stuff. And we're setting it up. And somebody, while we're doing that, just, just lifts a hymn. And somebody who is cleaning the toilet here, the person who is in the worship hall singing, oh. To Jesus, so I surrender and all to Him I freely give, and I will ever love and trust Him in His
And as they make it on the, the other side, Moses starts to sing and the rest of the people join in. They may not have known all of the words, but somewhere in between, they, they, they just started singing these hymns. And, and I want you to see this because Moses, it says, they, he starts to sing and the people join in. I will sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted. I want to do this quick. The horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song. Let, let me see if you can identify with that. The, the, the Lord is my strength and my song. Could, could you repeat that with me? The Lord is my strength and my song. Here, here, here is a next line that I, may, I might need to teach you so we could sing it in unison. He has become my salvation. So let, let, let's do that. He has become my salvation. So, so let's do this together. The Lord is my song. And he has become, come on, stay with me, my salvation. You guys getting this? So they, they aren't reading this. They, they're singing this. He, he goes on to say, this is my God. And I will praise him, my father's God, and I will lift him up. The Lord, he would say, is a warrior. The Lord is his name. And they begin to sing Joe David. What are they singing? They are, they are singing about what they just witnessed. They are singing about the protection of God. They are singing about the provision of God. Can you... Can you picture? I, I need to close this because if I don't close this, I'm going to stay so close to my notes and we'll, 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 we'll take too much time. Let me, let me just, just see if I could do this. Just stay with me for about two, not two, seven more minutes. Just stay with me for about seven more minutes. Just stay with me for seven more minutes. I promise you. I'm, I'm, let me just say I'm done, but I promise you we'll be done soon. I want you to picture with me if you could. Picture being in a place. I know we often say they were in slavery for 400 years, but... That's true in terms of the extent of time they as a people were in slavery, but every single person that was present that came out of Egypt that was alive, they were in slavery for all their lives. Some of them were teenagers, some of them were in their 20s, some of them were in their 30s, some of them were in their 40s, some of them were in their 60s. Well, the point I'm trying to make is every single person that came out of Egyptian bondage at that particular time, they grew up into slavery all of their lives. All they knew was oppression and slavery. So, yes, to the totality of it all, they spent 400 years, but for these individuals, all they've known, church, is oppression. All they've known is pain. All they've known is trial. Have you, have you ever been in a situation to be around people that all they've known is frustration, stress, pain, and everything alike? All they knew was this. Could you picture with me really quickly? They have just stepped foot on the other side. And having gone through the anxiety, picture your family running through the Red Sea. And as much as you want to stand in amazement, just looking at the, the fish, and, you know, through the congealed wall, as much as you want to enjoy just walking through, listen, I can't believe I'm, I'm walking through this thing on dry land. God, makes a, 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 God, God gives great, great detail in helping us to recognize it wasn't puddles of water. It was dry land. 
So as much as they wanted to, to, to have excitement in this moment, the truth is they are scurrying to get to the other side because there is somebody at their backs that is trying to kill them. It's the Egyptian army. So, so as much as it's, as it's an exciting time, it's a, it's a high anxiety time as well. I want you to picture, if you can, in church, what it would have felt like that when you made it on the other side, you turn around only to see some of them, some of them, of course, or for others here, the crashing of the walls of the parted Red Sea. And as the sound diminishes from what would have been an ultimately crashing sound, all of a sudden, the, we no longer hear the sound of the wheels of chariots. All of a sudden, we no longer hear the, the, the neighing of horses. All of a sudden, we no longer hear the whips that are cracking trying to get these horses to move all of a sudden we don't hear any trumpets blowing all of a sudden we don't hear any drums beating all of a sudden we no longer hear anything of any enemy that's following us could you just picture for a moment what it would have felt like if you if you could put yourself in their shoes could you just picture for a moment the type of emotions that would have been coursing through your veins Am I truly free? Could I? Am I now allowed to breathe? Could I now sleep with my two eyes closed and not have to sleep with one eye open and one eye? You mean I'm, I could truly pray and not pray to God and not wonder about me getting up in the morning to make somebody's bricks? You mean my, my, my kids now have the opportunity, though I don't know what's happening or what's going to be on the horizon, but you, you, you mean my kids don't have to worry anymore becoming, becoming somebody's servant? And for a moment, they just allow themselves through Moses' lead. Don't miss the description says Moses starts off the song. The leadership starts the praise. And the people follow. And as you get to the end of, 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 of the song, the scripture says, by the time you make your way to verse number 20 through 22, as if the singing wasn't enough, Drew. The scripture says that, that Miriam, she grabs a tambourine, or a timbrel, sorry. And as she begins to play, she is singing and playing and and the other woman, the scripture would define the other woman not just as other, but all of the other women. I need for you to see that this was a congregational participation in a moment of divine praise. Not one person was not, was, wasn't active when it came to this moment of praise. So everybody was singing this song, but here comes the woman to get led by Miriam. They grab the timbrels and they start to play and they start to dance. And they're praying and they're praying and they're dancing and they're praising and they're singing and they're worshiping. All because they recognize the goodness, the mercy, the grace, and the power of the God that they serve. Could, could, I, could I just share something with you and I'll be done? 
When you and I recognize how good God has been, the only response that we should have is to praise his name. <laughs> it's been a whole year. I, I, I'm not into New Year's sermons and, 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 and end of year sermons, but I want you to understand it's been a whole year. Some of us have, have suffered through some things for a whole year. Some of us are still going through some things even right now as we, we are preparing to go into a new year. But the truth is, it's been an entire year. Some of us didn't, wasn't sure that we, would even, we were even going to make it here. Some of us weren't sure if we were going to be here with the family that we, we have with us right here present today. Some people weren't sure if we were going to be here or still be together with the husband or the wife that we have. Some people weren't sure to, to have the jobs that they still hold. Some people weren't sure to be blessed the way that they still currently are blessed. The truth is it's been an entire year, but God has brought us to the 18th of December, 2022. So looking back in February, you didn't thought you were going to make it to June, but you made it to June. Looking back at June, you didn't think you would make it to November, but you got to Thanksgiving. Looking back at Thanksgiving, you didn't think you would be here, but it's the 18th of December. You are clothed and in your right mind. Somebody here needs to have a testimony to say, God, you are good. But notice this. That's why I said I want to be done. Notice this. The problem is not learning to praise God in the moment. The problem is keeping that song on your heart beyond the present. Because you could get lost just praising God in the moment and you take three days steps into the future and all of a sudden you begin to doubt God. I know what I'm saying because in the text the scripture says no sooner than they were done praising God, three days God allowed them to wander around in the wilderness just for a little bit. They got a little thirsty and they began to complain. Thomas, can I say this? The same God that didn't allow them to, be, to, to, to lose their lives on the other side of the Red Sea is the same God that wouldn't allow them to die from thirst. Could I, could I say this? Not, not this trophies, everybody. Could, could, I say, could, could I say this, bro? The same, God, the same God that had your back five years ago and he helped you through your struggle then, is the same God that has your back today and can help you through your struggle now. I, I, I don't know who I'm talking to. Let, let, let me come down here. Let me, let me talk to Laura. Let me, let me talk to Laura. Let me talk to Laura. Laura, 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 Laura. The, the, the same God that blessed you back then is the same God that is blessing you right now and can and will bless you in the future. God doesn't turn his back on his people. We turn our backs on him, but even when we turn our back on him, we serve such a loving God that he says, listen, even though you turn your back on me, I'm the type of God that I am everywhere. So you turn your back on me, you turn your back and God is still facing you eye to eye. You turn to the left and God is still there watching you smack down in your face. You turn to the right. It doesn't matter where you go. God is there. So we need to learn not just to praise God in the moment, we need to keep those, those praise and those songs in our hearts because guess what? In the moment of praise, that's good. But give God three days and you would, you would see for yourself whether you still have praise in your heart. So I want to encourage us. I want to encourage you. They, they sang because they saw God's protection. They sang because they saw God's provision. They sang because they saw God's mercy. They sang because they saw God's grace. They sang because they saw God work for them as a father.
Haita as a warrior. They sang because they received victory. But just three days removed. And oh Moses, isn't this what we told you? Did we really come here to die in this wilderness? The same God that brought you through your Red Sea is the same God that could keep you in the wilderness. The same God that will give you water to drink is the same God that will give you manna and quail. The same God that will give you manna and quail is the same God that will keep your sandals from your feet from dissipating. The same God that will keep sandals on your feet. Don't ask me how it's a miracle. The same God that will do that for your foot is the same God that will keep you clothed. I'm trying to help us to understand that the reason why we, we need to still keep singing our song because if we fall prey to it, we could forget the goodness of God as soon as we encounter the next thing. Yes, sir. So let me put this in and I'll be done. There's a reason why Joseph becomes such a key figure in all of this. And there are a number of reasons, but I want to give us just one reason. There's a reason why Joseph becomes such a key figure in all of this. You remember what Joseph did for Egypt? Guys, let's stand. I'm done. I'm, I'm done. Let me, I'm just making this last point. Wait, wait. I'm done. I'm done. I'm just making this last point. You remember what Joseph did for Egypt? The land, the land was about to, to go into a great famine. And Joseph gave them a plan. He said, listen, you, you, you set some, some, store, some storehouses up. And, uh, you know, when, when, we, when we're going through the time of, of, of great plenty and profiting, you take that grain and you store it up. And when you store it, the time is going to come when you go through a time of famine. The reason why it is you store it up is so that when the time of famine comes, you're not only going to be able to take care of yourself, but you're also going to be able to take care of the rest of the world. Don't miss this. I, I need first to understand how important it is for us to store up praise. Because there is going to come a time when, when things are going good, things go really good. We get the promotion, we get all this kind of stuff. When things are going well, they go really well, but then comes a time of famine. There is a reason why we need to store up certain songs in our hearts because there is going to come a time when we go through the famines that we need to go back and pull from previous praise. You guys missing this? Thomas, I don't know, I don't know if we're getting it, but, but go ahead and start singing here in, in, in 30 seconds. <laughs> the reason why we store up praise is to use in future time of the dress. So stand with me. I'm done. I don't want to force anybody to speak back to me. So you're not going to speak back to me. You're going to speak to the person next to you. Hold the person's hand next to you. And with a smile on your face, resolve in your heart and determination in your voice, look to that person and say, keep singing. Come on, come on, make, make song better. Keep singing. Keep singing. Your song. Your song.